my name's Kevin and Curtis. Um, bit of background on myself before you get into my recall of fires. Um, grew up on the farm, done a fair few different things over my life. Um, one in particular that's relevant to this story is I was a project firefighter on Depi, it was um, when I was employed by them. Um, I did that job for six years. Kate also um, was employed by Depi and we'd never witnessed or seen anything that would come close to what we experienced um, in this story. And one of the things that we both recall is how hot it was. So it was hot during the day and it hardly cooled overnight, um, maybe a couple of degrees, but it was so hot, which was would have been um, a massive driver for this fire. And as well as our, well, mum and dad coming off summer, probably one of the best summers they've had um, in a while, which obviously indicated that we had a bit more food coverage on the ground. So, yeah, this all mixed into one. Um, yeah, it's a real shame, but, um, yeah, this is my take. Thank you. And this is my uh, recall of the bushfires on the 30th of the 12th, 2019 to 2020. The only reason we were up in Koryang, which was myself and my husband, Cade Small, was because we actually decided to go and drop in mum and dad's at Clack Clack there um, and have tea and then walk up Mount Kosciuszko the next day, um, New Year's Eve, and then to head to Tlangata Rodeo that night. Um, little did we know what was ahead of us. So everything um, in my little recall is really rough. Obviously, I didn't write down notes or times or anything. I just had a few photos to go off. So, um, yeah, it's not all spot on. So about 12 o'clock, Kate and I were sitting on the veranda just before lunch and we looked up and noticed these little black embers coming down. And we could see a massive plume of smoke out New South Wales um, coming from the Wawa fire, um, well, the fire around the Wawa area. So we sort of kept an eye on it. We didn't get too worried at the start, but then later on, things started happening and we probably thought to ourselves we should get cracking here and get a bit done. Um, so yeah, we started getting the tractors organised and um, stuff like that. And I rang one of our friends that live up Kaji North just to let them know that if they needed a hand or anything, give me a buzz and we could head over there. So about 1700, we were cleaning gutters, sorting out hoses, doing all the prep work that you do, tractors, sorting out that sort of thing. Um, that took a while, but then we sort of had a bit of time there to wait around, fire's still coming, just waiting, waiting, 11 o'clock. Um, Kudgy friend rang up and asked for help. Um, 
So had to scrounge around and get some clothes and stuff off mum. And we headed out in dad's old cruiser. Uh, we couldn't actually get out there due to the road closures already. Um, so we ended up heading across to Wheel's place, um, Adam Wheeler and my sister Megan and Curvis at about oh, 11.20 p.m. From then on, we are watching little spots come. We are sitting out in the paddock just watching spots come and putting them out and then they gradually got bigger and bigger and more frequent. Um, got a bit hectic there running from one side of the paddock to the other. Not long after that, highway patrol copper or something come roaring up the road and went straight past the house and to the neighbours and they got told to evacuate. They didn't come up to wheels, which we muchly appreciated because we probably wouldn't have left anyway. So during this time of running around the putting swatties out, you, um, you could hear cattle up on the hill bellowing, running around, and just the roar of the fire and watching it come down, come down from over Kaji Way. Um, just feeling of absolute hopelessness and um, just praying that all the livestock would be all right. Um, so not long after that, it probably would have been about one o'clock um, my sister Megan left, it might have even been earlier than that, but she took the kids into town, thank God, um, and hung around in there at a friend's place for a while. And then Jack was having a bit of trouble with his pump, Jack Delotti, who came and helped us well, for the following days, which is amazing. So he's having a bit of pump trouble, so we he headed over to mum and dad's at Clap to um, get it sorted and, um, yeah, they did get it sorted, thank God, because he was a major asset to helping us at home. So moving on from there, we um, decided at about 1.30 a.m. wheels and potentially be stuck um, and not being able to get home to my folks in Clack, um, and we, besides Jack, were their only source of water that was um, pretty mobile, and then we had the Can-Am, which only had 100 litres on it that we sort of wanted to keep around the house to put out spotties if we needed. So um, this, was a, uh, this was a shit decision. Like, it was <laughs> one of the first decisions of that night, morning, whatever, um, where you just, you felt your heart was just getting torn, knowing that you have to leave someone and not knowing what the outcome will be. But we did decide to go home to mum and dad's, but before we left, we <laughs> blocked up the house gutters with rags. I, in particular, chose my sister's pyjamas <laughs> for this. Um, just figuring as that would be the least important clothing item <laughs> that she'd want. So jammed them in the gutters and filled them up with water and did what we could with Adam before we left. And then his um, brother came across from Robert and Kate Wheelers who had just 
clocked the fire previously um, to help wheels. So we head home and there's, well, power lines are starting to fall down. It's spotting up Nariel. You can just see it run and riot, just something you've never seen before. Um, so about, probably would have been about two hours after we left Wheels's, um, it was spotting up behind mum and dad's place in our, um, our neighbour's property. It's probably, it's about one to two kilometres behind the house. Um, so Jack and Cade left home and went up there to sort of try and put it out, but it was, there was a lot of feed up that way and it was going pretty hard. So they did what they could. Um, but then at about, well, really roughly four o'clock, the fire started creeping up Schindler's Lane um, and it came around the side of the our house first because the um, paddock that it was coming around had really low uh, feed coverage on the ground so it slowed it down and it ended up coming around that and then it got into our property and picked up a bit. Um, it was during this time when I sent, well I called Cade probably about three times, no answer, no answer, no answer and then I called him one more time and I think the voice message went something along the lines of you better get back here because if you don't bloody get back here now, you're not going to be getting back here at all and hung up. <laughs> so I've seen a bit of a tiz, as you could tell. <laughs> but um, they did come back. They just got through. Um, they sort of had to head through the fire. So um, that was that, I suppose. They got back to mum and dad's. So in the meantime, I'm running around like a mad chook trying to get water and do this and do that and set up the automatic sprinklers and try and turn them on. And I'm playing with it, playing with it. Jeez, I would have spent five or so minutes on it and starting to get agitated, wondering why they're not working. And I didn't even realise that the power's out, which was stupid knowing that the lines from wheels had fallen down. So we've had no power. So they were out of the, out of the picture. Um, so this is all happening now. It's getting pretty, pretty intense. Dad hooked up the plow disc and hit the paddocks and just did laps around the house, lap after lap. Um, and then he headed off out the paddock and you could see him disking bits of the paddock up to try and save a bit of feed. Um, which it, oh, I didn't really save the feed, but it did slow the fire down. Um, and then he headed up to our back paddock where we've got a hay shed and more stock and yards and feed and a bit of stuff up there. And it wasn't too later that we found out that Dad had a bit of a struggle up there because the feed was heavier up there. It, the fire front got motoring and was moving pretty quick as he was trying to go around the silage he didn't even make it because it just got too hot so he had to um quickly get out of there and get back home so he nearly had a bit of a whoopsie up there 
because of the just change of direction and just its own weather. It was um, intense. After that, I was trying to move a bit of um, bit of our machinery out of the shed down in the paddock and it's in the dark. I'm in the old Toyota and can't see. I'm swearing, I'm carrying on and having a tantrum and I get a phone call from my sister Megan um, and she's quite distressed as they weren't sure if they'd lost their horses which are in a paddock next to the hay shed that caught on fire and all she could go off was a photo she got sent and she was distressed and then... Um, yeah, it's just things like that that really, you don't really, um, you don't count on that sort of stuff. And, yeah, it was it's pretty hard to deal with at the time, but um, adrenaline sort of helps you keep going a bit and um, having the fire right on our asses at that time, we sort of had to keep going, so... Luckily, they didn't lose any of their horses or anything, but they lost a lot of a lot of hay, lost their shed and a lot of livestock. So, um, yeah, that's it. So, everyone's back home at this stage. It's still it's just after four, um, probably just before five thirty, I think it is. And I'm starting to get a little bit emotional. I'm starting to get pretty exhausted and. Um, just shit happening, just watching your whole, um, I don't know, you're growing up there and just watching it all fucking get taken away from you. And there's this bit that really broke me was watching the bulls out in the paddock and the horses out there in the same paddock and watching the fire front come from that direction and and they're just running around in front of the flames and not coming out the gates or just kept tracking up and down in front of that fire and I was thinking you stupid bastards like you like we're trying to get you out like mum went over there and Jack went over there trying to hunt them out and they wouldn't come out and then I broke down and had a bit of a oh had a moment there and yeah it just hit you like a bloody truck knowing that you're potentially going to lose all those horses that you learnt how to ride growing up and stuff but um yeah thank god they found the gate and they came out and then I hunted them over to the house where they luckily hung around knowing that it was a safe spot so that's all right with them. That was a quite distressing moment. Um, five, yeah, we're about up to 5.30 now, and it is at our doorstep, absolutely there. It's right up onto the um, plough line, and the boys bur were burning off what they could from the plough line to try and keep it away from the house a little bit. Um, yeah, just cutting laps around the house, looking for spotties or anything that might have blown into the shed or... Yeah, it was a bit um, full on there for a while. And I've got a photo on my phone at 5.33 a.m. We've got an old house that Grandma lived in on the property um, and it burnt and um, it was full of 
um, Nanko's memorabilia and heaps of stuff, my sister's things, mum's things, absolutely anything. Um, yeah, so it went up in flames. And it wasn't until after that happened and everything settled down, we'd, we all sort of thought, why didn't we try and do something to stop it from burning? It was just something that was an afterthought and um, we've lost some pretty special things in that and it's, it's a, a memory that is quite frustrating and it makes me really angry that we didn't try to do something to stop it. But um, I can't change that. So in between that old house burning, our neighbour's house also went up in flames. No one was there, so um, everyone was out of the house. No one got injured or anything. And the days following that fire, I was going over there watering their animals um, with what I could. Um, and, uh, yeah, they had a few animals there that were in good nick, still happy, just went over to make sure that they had a bit of water till they were able to get back there. 6.32 a.m. Head up to the hay shed up the back paddock um, to protect that because it was full of hay. Um, and just earlier in 2019 in October, Kate and I had our wedding up there. So we headed back up there for a different occasion this time. Um, and we just burnt off the cloud tracks what we could. We had tea towels with water in them to help us breathe because the smoke was so thick and um, it was so hard to breathe and it was so hot. It was just unbelievably hot. Um, yeah. It just didn't cool down the whole time. It was... Yeah. That's probably why... Well, that would be a reason why it was just going so hard up there, the feed and the heat. Um, so we ended up saving the hay shed, thank God, and there was a few paddocks up there that we had cattle in and I was going around opening the gates while Cade was up at the hay shed to, just because there was a tree on fire that was sort of dropping hot, hot bits of bark towards the hay shed. So he stayed up there and I tried to get these cattle out and... Um, we got them out and put them back into their paddock as a fired pass. And then the next paddock, these cattle would not get out of there and they're just being absolute idiots. So we ended up having to leave them. And there was a few that got um, burnt feeding that after that. So um, it was all right. They, they were okay, but we had to put a few down. So just after that, was this next bit was probably one of the hardest bits and it and it I wouldn't say I'm not don't think it I'd say it haunts me but it's something that I think about and it is very distressing. Um so what we did was we went down the road and headed up the paddock again to open a couple more gates just before our um, our paddocks transition into the neighbours um, and it the fire just picked up, the wind picked up and it got very fierce at this stage and we're coming back down the road um, 
coming back down the road, I was driving and the smoke just changed direction and got right in our face and I couldn't see. And the weight of the water was pushing the vehicle down the road um, and I was trying to slow down. I was slowing down, but it was really slow and um, couldn't see. So he had to pull up on the side of the road, not knowing where the fire was, not not sort of having a faint idea what direction we were facing, but then the next thing was there was a tiny bit of break in, in the smoke, so we, we drove off slowly, and next minute the neighbour's cattle come up, the they broken through their fence and jumped the ramp into our paddock um, with their calves. And... I don't know what it was. It, the, the mixture between um, nasal discharge, but there was just shit gushing out of their nose. It was almost like they were getting melted off and they were just bellowing and carrying on. And if, if I didn't push through those cattle to get back onto the road... Um, we probably would have got burnt. And then it would have been just for one stupid reason to go up and open a gate for cattle that probably aren't even going to run through it anyway. Um, yeah, so it was really difficult for me and I, I broke down instantly after that and was just an absolute mess all the way home and Cade, thank God, was calming me down but it just it just couldn't calm me I was just beyond calming at that stage and I think at that point in time it all hit me what just happened over the last day um yeah so it was really hard and it's still hard to think about that knowing that shit that could have been the last mistake that I ever make and then might have been Cade's last one too so Anyway, it wasn't. So we get home, absolutely distraught, exhausted. For some reason, it was hard to breathe, probably from smoke and um, just exhaustion. Um, and we caught up with mum and dad and Jack, and we had a bit of a debrief. And I don't even know what time it is now. I think it might have been about 11 o'clock. And then everyone is absolutely chewing their arms off. We look like shit. So I was like, oh, I'll make a bit of lunch. Lunch consisted of noodles, cheese and garlic. And by the time I'd made it, everyone was asleep on the couch. Instantly passed out. Um, so I just let them sleep for a bit and they piped back up and had lunch. And then after that, um, Kate and Jack headed over to Hillier's to give them a bit of support because um, the fire was coming back at them. I think it had tried to get them a couple of times already. Um, so it's going back at them. So during this time that the fires were out of harm's way now, it no there's nothing left to burn around us as it burnt pretty much everything except for the dry grass around the house. So that would be our only worry or if something, an ember went in the shed. So we were pretty safe. And 
during this time, you start thinking about everyone over in the next valley or everyone that had faced it before you and how they're going. And you can't get hold of anyone because we have no service. And we had no service for a couple of days. And um, it's just really hard not knowing anything and not being able to contact Megan, who sort of was, I felt like, getting chased around by the fire because she'd moved three times with the kids to try and be in a safe place. But, yeah, um, that's about that for the fires and everything. And just the following days, um, it was just animals. Dad lost a few animals he had to fix up and... We also did a lot of fencing, just some boundary ones to try and keep cattle off the road. Temporary permanence, as Dad liked to call them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that went on for a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, we got a bit of phone service and found out what's going on and where the fire was heading and this and that. Um, so when the roads opened, I think it might have been about the 3rd of the 1st, 2020, um, Cade and I left to go and help the in-laws um, who live up George's Creek in Tlingata Valley is, well, after seeing what happened with it down the Upper Murray Way, um, yeah, it could very easily head that way as well. So we went and set up and prepared their houses. On the 4th of the 1st, we were up to Tlingata Valley at um, a brother and sister-in-law's house as they both worked on Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. So they were out there fighting the fires um, and knowing that if there was a change of wind that their property was next in line. So we sat out there um, for them and just watched the plume of smoke, massive plume of smoke coming up at Beringamas. Um Luckily, it didn't head to their house, but now they're all ready if something else was to happen. Um, yeah, so that's about it. So we lost 95% of our grazing land. We lost cattle. Um, we lost all the silage. And um, one mum's best horse succumbed to an injury and needed to get put down, which is a um, really hard thing for her to deal with. It... it um, just something that you feel like it should be over but the months coming after just little things just kept knocking you back down um, yeah so I still wonder and there's I potentially regret I suppose um, not trying to save a bit more not trying to save a bit of grass or not heading over to try and save some assets for our neighbour over the hill who suffered massive losses to his property. And it just, yeah, it's something that I can't get out of my head and I think about a lot. Um, but we're really lucky to still have all our family and friends intact. Houses of some family, friends have um, been lost and assets, but, um, yeah, we're all here we're still moving on and we're very grateful for all the help that we've had um afterwards lots of people coming down um helping fence and just being really 
great source of support. Yeah, so, so that's my take of the fires. No doubt I missed something or said something wrong, but um, nobody's perfect. Cheers, I hope you enjoy listening.